Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for black women by black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I am your host, Ashley, and today we have a, we actually have somebody who's returning to the episode. Um, you guys, for anybody that listens to the, epi- to the episodes often, you guys will probably recognize this name, or at least the voice. This is, we actually have sex therapist, um, Amber Johnson, on today. So she was, she came on the podcast um late last year so if you scroll back if you're on spotify uh, instagram if you're on spotify apple scroll back you guys will see her red flags episode that we did a while back which was really great a lot of fun a lot of uh insight into sex therapy and relationships so of course i had to bring her back onto the podcast um amber welcome back thank you glad to be back glad to be back (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited to have Amber back. So um, for those of you who may not have listened to the other episode, just so you guys know uh, a little bit of a little bit of background about Amber. So she earned her master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Um, She has a specialization in sex therapy from Ridgemont Graduate University. Uh, She has a passion for relationships. She works with marriage uh, and couples therapy, sex therapy, post-affair recovery and relationship conflict. Um, She also works with individuals struggling with depression, anxiety, family systems, relational problems, like she's doing it all. So Amber, (laughs) do you want to kind of introduce yourself, tell the people about about yourself? Yeah, you, that is, you know, you nailed it right there. Um, But yeah, I'm, you know, in the Atlanta area, if anyone um, is looking to possibly seek counseling, my contact information will be located uh, in the bio of this episode. Yes, it will. See, she knows the deal. (laughs) (laughs) So today, um, so Amber and I, um, we met on Instagram. Like I meet most people that come on the podcast on Instagram. So if you're on on Instagram and you want to be on the podcast, hit me up at black girls have anxiety too. But, um, Amber and I met on Instagram. That's kind of how, um, you know, we connected, um, kind of stayed in touch since the last episode and send each other some kind of like inspiration and ideas for episodes. And um, one thing that has come up is that I thought you guys would really love is attachment styles. So I've heard about attachment styles. I've had a couple of friends tell me, you know, the type of attachment styles that they think that they have. And um, yeah, I thought who better to talk about attachment styles than with Amber. So that is kind of the topic for today. Um, we're also going to get into some um, some juicy tea a little bit at the end about some of the crazy reality shows that have been popping up on Netflix, like The Ultimatum, Love is Blind, all those fun things, and talk about, you know, is there some crossover? What do we, what is her perspective on like these 
maybe toxic-ish relationship shows. <laughs> um, but we're going to get into that later on. Um, we both are very into like Netflix shows and stuff. So I think it should be, should be a good time. But to kick it off, like Amber, what, what, what describe attachment styles for us? Yeah. So to get into a bit of the research part of it, it was uh, created by John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. And we typically hear four types. So you've got the secure attachment style, ambivalent attachment style, avoidant attachment style, or disorganized attachment style. They may be interchangeable on the ambivalent, avoidant, and disorganized, meaning they're sometimes labeled as like fearful avoidant or anxious avoidant, Um, but we'll get into, into that. But they're pretty much the Early attachment styles are established in our childhood through the infant caregiver relationship. Um, and that's, you know, when you come, you know, first enter into the world, who is your primary caregiver, either mom, dad, or if it was mom, dad for a little bit, and then maybe grandparents, you spent a lot of time with grandparents, whoever was pretty much primary there to care for you. So that is literally like from the time you come into this world up until like your teenage years, that's kind of where those, the attachment styles are developed. I would say anything from zero to 12, 18, like the very first year, year and a half is super crucial, but obviously childhood, um, teenage years who it's the, that trustworthy bond. Um, is really, really what it breaks down to. Can I trust you with this? Are you going to be there for me? And, you know, whatever the capacity is. So when, you know, infant, you think about feeding, um, nurturing, uh, you know, crying. Do you, you know, we talk about, do we let them cry it out or do we, you know, pick them up and coddle them? There's a lot that goes into that. Um, It's not just, oh, let them cry it out or, Um, they'll be fine. It's in some instances you can, but what you're trying to do is like build that attachment um, and know that they can trust you, that their needs are going to be met. Right. So early on before babies can even speak a word, they're trying to figure out, can I trust the person that like keeps picking me up basically? Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I did some research before this episode and I saw look at you. I know I'm trying (laughs) (laughs) to do better. Um, I saw, I know you mentioned Mary Ainsworth was one of the, you know, people that kind of started the research into attachment styles and started putting names Mm -hmm. on it. So can you talk about the strange situation? And I'm putting air quotes around this because it's a thing. Yes. So the strange situation was a psychological study that observed children from 12 to 18 months. Um, what happens, there's basically the, the concept is the child and parent caregiver are in a room, they're alone, and then the child explores the room with parental supervision. So there may have been like toys or, you know, just things around the room that's going to intrigue the child. And then a stranger enters the room, talks to the parent, and approaches the child. And then the parent quietly leaves the room while the pa- either the child is distracted playing with the toys or noticing that the other adult has entered into the room. And then the parent returns and comforts the child. Now, between the parent quietly leaving the room 
and the parent returning, that is where you're deciding, or that's when the child is either fine, like looks around and mom is, or caregiver is um, out of the room, but is still occupied playing with the toys or just distracted, like notices, maybe cries a little bit, and then goes back to doing whatever they were doing. Um, then you would have a ambivalent where just kind of hesitant, you know, really kind of upset, trying to like kind of coddle themselves in any kind of way, looking to the other adult, see if they give any, any signals. Um, and then avoidant is completely, you know, staying away from that other adult, not trusting whatsoever. Um, and disorganized is kind of like all over the place. Um, not really sure where to go to not, you know, and if the parent comes back, when the parent comes back into the room, what does that look like? What do those interactions look like when parent picks up the child? Are they like calm and okay? Or um, does, does the child not know, you know, not, not recognize their, their caregiver, but is kind of like, why did you leave me? Like, I'm not okay. Um, kind of like that. Wow. And so from that study that we've got the attachment style. So let's go through kind of one by one in doing yeah. kind of like a deep dive into each one. So I guess we can start with secure attachment yeah. style. Secure is, and from what I've, I've read um, through the research, it seems to be the most noted attachment style. Um, but it is very, so again, if parent leaves the room, child is, is occupied, parent comes back um, and is okay going to the parent and just, you know, being soothed. Um, secure attachment looks like, ooh, if you think about early childhood, you fall off your scooter, maybe. Uh, you skin up your knee and you look around to find parents. And they're able to be like, it's okay. Like you did a great job, you know, brush it off or, you know, we'll get you cleaned up, trusting that they will, you know, the caregiver will, you know, nurture them in that, in that, um, in that space. Teenage years, can I trust you, you know, with this information or if I do something wrong, am I, I know that I may be punished, but what does that, does the punishment, you know, fit? what my, you know, what the behavior was. Um, when you look at other relationships, so maybe friendships or romantic relationships, do I trust that this person based on, you know, what they've displayed, can I, can I trust them with whatever maybe, maybe feelings or that they're going to get something done? Do I feel safe with this person, like emotionally, physically, um, not a whole lot of questions or not, we always want to ask questions, but not in the way of like, I'm not sure if I can entrust them. Right. That's more secure. Okay. So what about, um, avoidant? I know you said uh, not avoidant, sorry. Yeah. Avoidant insecure, but you also mentioned fearful. So can you tell us about that particular style? Yes. So fearful is I'm not really trusting what this person is. So kind of, it's been um, displayed several different, so like either fearful avoidant or just, 
or fear, anxious, fearful, anxious. Um, but it's more so I am anxious, Mm -hmm. uh, about what this person is going to be like with me or portrayed as like, can I trust that they are going to be here or am I hesitant in the fact that, okay, I've seen my needs aren't met every time, Mm. um, that I am, you know, for, so a baby crying for, for something it's not always met. Right. So what does that particular attachment style look like in adulthood or in an adult? Fearful. Yeah. Fearful and an adult. I would have to say that would have a lot to do maybe with a history of some trauma. Um, they, they avoid in very relationships they crave. So maybe I really, really want to be nurtured or feel safe in this space with my partner. Um, I want to open up, but I am fearful of what that may look like. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Kind of like scared to break down that wall maybe Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay so let's talk a little bit about ambivalent insecure attachment style I feel like there's so many attachment styles there are and they're they're (laughs) always they're um like I said sometimes they're written differently but it's more so people who develop an avoidant attached avoidant ambivalent or just avoidant often have like a dismissive attitude or kind of disregard intimacy. They have difficulty reaching out to others in time of need. They're very to themselves. Um, I can do this um, because I can't trust anybody else to do this for me, or I've been let down so many times in the past. So I rather just avoid that hurt and do it, take care of it myself. And is that, that's just because they were maybe neglected early on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it could be, you know, anything maybe really small. Um, but if those small things add up over time, um, it's gonna, it's gonna weigh on, on the person. Right. Um, Cause wow. you know, we talk about, we talk about infancy, but then what does that look like in like elementary age, teenage, you know, and then adulthood? Um, wow. So I know we just recently had an episode about that talked a little bit about neglect. So somebody, I know that there's different types of neglect that can happen early on and some are less severe, you know, like there's a huge spectrum of what neglect can look like, but for somebody who may have experienced neglect, I guess would neglect also include like an emotional neglect, even though all of your other needs are met. So like you have a home, you have food on the table, you've been, you know, taken care of in the sense that you always have food in your stomach and you have the things that you need to like go to school and you have Mm -hmm. access but as far as the emotional connection maybe like the parent or the caregiver is not um emotionally available I guess Mm -hmm. so when we talk about um everything is met are we talking about bare minimum needs or are we Uh talking about 
I have more than what I need and I'm not getting the emotional part because it can definitely go both ways. I'm just curious as to, you know, I guess I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I guess. Well, let's talk about both. So bare minimum, you have what you need to survive. Like you've got, you've got like a a roof, you've got shelter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got shelter. You eat three times a day. Um, you have like access to transportation um and water like what else do you think yeah yeah bare minimum. Yeah, yeah yeah uh clothing can yeah. you know go home and do like let's have say your new- homework yeah, yeah have some sort so have some sort of routine yeah bare minimum scale yeah sure that but the parent isn't or the caregiver is not emotionally available now is the caregiver not emotionally available because they are too busy putting food on the table and making sure that they, you know, have the necessities, even though it's maybe the bare minimum, they're still in survival mode of trying to make sure that, you know, they provide for their child. Yeah. That scenario. Okay. So maybe it's not that they don't, and it's never maybe a case of, I won't say never, but a desire out of desire, like the caregiver just doesn't have the desire to nurture their child. It could be very much so that I am working so hard to, you know, put food on the table make sure that we have money, like pay rent, all of those things. And just maybe not enough spaces to just be intimate and like cuddle or read bedtime stories or, you know, tell me about your day. How was school? Check in about friends, things like that. If we were to sway to the very opposite end of that spectrum and you have more than what you need, maybe come from like a pretty, you know, well-off family, but maybe parents are caregivers are traveling so much that there are maybe just more nannies involved or more like parents aren't home as much because of just absent, you know, just absent. Right. Right. Um, it can go that way as well. So it's maybe they're getting the nurturing from again, caregiver, maybe the nanny is really there and, you know, doing the bedtime stories. So they're going to build probably a lot more trust with them because they're getting that, um, that's who's there the most often. Okay. So it doesn't, I guess what I hear you saying is it doesn't necessarily, not that it doesn't matter, but as long as there is somebody that is uh, filling that emotional void, mm-hmm. then it can kind of lead them down the road to one attachment style rather than the other. But if the emotional right. needs aren't met, so let's, let's go back to the original scenario and change it up. So let's say you have the bare minimum of what you need as far as resources, like yeah. again, like food, shelter, transportation, all that, but mm-hmm. your caregiver, or your, um, parent just is not emotionally available because they just aren't not because Mm -hmm. of them being busy to do something else but just because like maybe they're there but they are not emotionally available for whatever reason that they've got going on like what Mm -hmm. does that generally take you down a, a specific path when it comes to attachment styles or is that kind of like related to a certain attachment style I think either can be um it's just as long they're there, right? But how emotionally available are they? 
you know, if it was something big, like, you know, they needed to, the child needed to talk about something, do they feel safe or able or feel like there's space to talk to that caregiver? Like, does the caregiver make time even out of trying to provide all the way around to be like, okay, this is something that's, you know, needs to be, you know, taken care of, or let me be, you know, available, or how can I be the most available um, in this space? Because it's not saying that they don't want to, it's just, we know how bills and all of those things work, right? Um, They don't just magically get get paid. Get paid, if only, right? If only, if only. Yeah, Um, we need to invent a robot for that. Seriously, <laughs> we so, have one for everything else. I know. <laughs> um, so we also have um, the fourth atta- uh, attachment style, which is disorganized. I know those mm-hmm. are different names, but they are. We'll go with or- disorganized. Okay. Yeah, I can I was looking around and like, okay, every page has different names for different attachment styles, and like some of them cross over. So disorganized. And I also saw it disorganized slash insecure or dash insecure attachment yeah. style. We'll just go with disorganized because cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that is typically, I think, and I've you know mentioned this before, is typically severe trauma. Um, so seriously disrupted something within the household, just the child does not feel cared for, um, whatsoever. Um, so whether that's, um, like we talked about, like severe neglect, um, just feeling like they're, you know, maybe some needs are met, but if the child is feeling like they have to essentially fend for themselves, like I have to, you know, find figure out what I'm going to do for dinner. And we think about this more so in um, like school age years because infancy, you know, that might look a little bit different. Um, but overall, the main things that we talk about are Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like as the bare minimum. Um, but with disorganized, that's, you know, like I said, typically severe trauma um, and the child just is fending for themselves. Okay, so then- if somebody is like, let's say there's an adult, they're, I don't know, 22 and they maybe experienced a lot of trauma growing up. Um, what does it look like in adulthood? So as far as like disorganized, like I, I guess I'm just, yeah, I'm curious. (laughs) Oh, I hate to bring this movie up because it's such a painful movie um did you ever see the movie precious yes oh my gosh precious I could only watch that one time I could I don't think I could ever watch it again I can only watch it one time as well um so that would be like severe neglect trauma mother did not once take her side um or protect um that would be like one of the most intense like one of an intense situation of disorganized um and for those who haven't seen the movie it's definitely you know viewer discretion advised um even if you're above the age of 18 it is a a very intense um movie um about psychological physical sexual 
um, emotional abuse um, of a of a young teen. Um, so, yeah, that movie was really. Ooh, that movie was very, very like heavy on your heart. I feel like if you watch, mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's an important movie to watch because it yeah. is somebody's story out there. It probably is a lot of people's story about, you yeah. know, similar to how they grew up and like how their childhood, what their childhood looked like. Um, so it's, I think the movie, I'm glad that it was created, but yeah, I could only sit through that one time it was just mm-hmm. powerful performances I think the actresses are Gabori Sidibe mm-hmm. I think that was her and then Gabrielle yeah Gabrielle Sidibe Monique yeah and that was the extent of I think what my brain yeah I can uh, remember yeah yeah that was an intense movie so if you've ever if you haven't seen it and you um are curious about you know what disorganized attachment style looks like that is like like Amber saying an extreme version. yeah version of of what could potentially cause um, a you know disorganized attachment style later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as crossover, so we've got these four different kind of houses of attachment style. Are there any crossover? Like, can you kind of have you know maybe fifty percent of one and fifty percent of another? That's a really good question. I think that we may have that it's possible to have traits of like different characteristics, but not full blown like 50, 50. Um, it definitely, it, and it also can, can change um, over time. But at that point you are working towards becoming maybe, you know, more secure or trying to pinpoint like, what are the behaviors that I'm displaying? Like maybe isn't it, isn't, you know, and it could be before adulthood. So that's, you know, great if you're in therapy um, at a grade, even if you don't believe that anything is wrong, it's just a great space to, you know, come and talk about, you know, whatever you may feeling or, you know, life transitions. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that I think the goal, everyone wants to kind of move to secure. And what does that look like for each individual right. um, is what it really, you know, comes down to. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about like, what's the most common attachment style in adults? And it could even like be certain uh, age ranges too. So from what research that I looked up, it said secure, which I found that to be very interesting. Um, Especially with what we know about just society and the the world in in general. Yeah. I thought it would have been more in maybe the possibly the ambivalent or um, maybe not so much avoidant, but I'm, I'm, I was interested to hear that secure was the most um, consistent. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. I don't think that's what I would have guessed. That's not the answer I was expecting either. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Interesting. But I wonder who like, who was targeted by that study. Like, I yes. also, I always wonder, like when I look, especially if I'm looking at studies, particularly with mental health, how, uh, how diverse the study is mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, who are they asking these questions? Is it a particular demographic? Are there any black folks in the room that, yes. you know, when they're making, they're doing these studies, yeah. a lot of times we're either not represented at all or underrepresented. Um, 
so yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious about that. But um, as far as uh, particularly anxiety, um, mm-hmm. if somebody is experiencing anxiety, let's say like in their adulthood and mm-hmm. not just everyday like healthy range of anxiety, but the anxiety that kind of starts to mess with your life, disrupt your life essentially, maybe mm-hmm. like generalized anxiety disorder is what maybe they have been diagnosed with. Is there a certain attachment style that is more closely related to anxiety than others? That's a really good question. Um, so I believe you're asking is generalized anxiety disorder kind of go hand in hand with an anxious attachment? Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. So not particularly because they are, I want to say they're like two separate entities. So generalized anxiety disorder could be anxious specifically about a specific, like a specific um, thing. So maybe social anxiety, just anxiety about the day, things that I, you know, maybe need to accomplish, um, worry, fear, you know, when we think about what generalized anxiety is um, and can, you know, impact you either to severe, mild, um, and things of that nature. With the attachment, it's more so with the, so you can go out and see the caregiver specifically. I'm anxious. Are they going to fulfill this need? Mm. Um, if you look, so romantic relationships, I'm anxious about my partner. Do they, you know, do they really care about me? Like, where do we really mm. stand in this relationship? Is you know, if I do this, is this going to, you know, rock the boat? If I do that, are they going to like not like me anymore? It's specific to the attachment to that relationship. Wow. That is very interesting. So I I kind of want to go back to as far as just, I'm really interested about attachment styles and how they look in adult relationships. I think we've talked a little bit about how they Mm -hmm. look just in adult behaviors, but as mm-hmm. far as like, for example, uh, let's go back to disorganized because I'm really interest, like intrigued by that one in particular. If somebody is maybe has disorganized attachment style and let's say we've got like a 35 year old person and they've got disorganized attachment style and they have, they've been in like a relationship for a couple of years. Like what's a, what's a, like a common behavior that they might have, you know, in a relationship? or in how they handle things in a relationship? So if with a disorganized attachment, uh, the partner may be often behaving in a way that pushes the other person away. You know, we've talked about, I can do it myself. I can only depend on myself. You know, I've always had to depend on myself. No one is looking out after me. Like it's all about, it's almost like they're just in survival mode. Um, I can't depend on anybody else to any, like very, it can be anything like super simple. So um, maybe your partner has an event coming up um, and you need to go get your dry cleaning from the dry cleaners. And it's like the day before and you're like, oh no, and have a list of things to do. Chances are they're not going to ask their partner 
I'm not going to depend on you to do this thing. This is something that only I am, you know, in control of, and I need to get this because I have an event tomorrow. So I need to make sure that I pick up this dry cleaning. Wow. Okay. I wonder if anybody's listening, that's listening, um, can identify with that because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people have that reaction, like kind of move through life in yeah. a way where they're ultra independent. And I wonder if like relinquishing some of that, like, for example, just asking somebody to help you with a task that you usually mm-hmm. own yourself, is that like relinquishing power and relinquishing control that they kind of feel like they have to have due to this early trauma that they may have experienced? Yeah. So like I said, that is a very like minimal, yeah. like small scale um, example um, because that happens in even secure relationships. Maybe your partner is just not good at to-do lists um, <laughs> and then that's okay. Um, but, but yes, to answer your question, um, it's definitely a, if it's a, you know, miscule task, it is, I've, I've only, only had, I've only been able to depend on myself. So relinquishing some of that power, um, is difficult because when I have in the past, I've always been let down or asking for help. Maybe even it doesn't even look like power, but asking for help. I've always been let down. Mm, so that reinforces the narrative of I have, I only can depend on myself. Right. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about, a little bit about what um, ambivalent insecure looks like. I'm going to throw out another scenario because I kind of like doing this. Okay. So let's say we've got, um, Let's what's what name should we give this person? Give me a name, Amber. Any name? Mm. Um Kyle. Kyle. Okay. I like it. So we've got Kyle. Um, and Kyle is 28, and Kyle is in this like back and forth relationship uh with somebody that they keep kind of breaking up, getting back together. They're that couple that is kind of on and off and has been on and off and everybody kind of knows them to be on and off. Mm-hmm. How is Kyle's ambivalent uh, attachment style like playing a role in that relationship? Mm-hmm. So ambivalent and kind of is often anxious and uncertain. So if you're saying that you're, they're going back and forth, they, they're on and then they're off, they're on and they're off. Um, I would also be, consi- be interested into the other person's attachment style, but we'll focus on Kyle. Um, but lacking in self-esteem, they, they crave the intimacy from that person, but wondering, am I good enough? Or does this person want to be with me? Um, you know, maybe knowing or identifying some of the things that they feel that they need to work on, or maybe they don't feel like they're strong in. So like, yes, I want this relationship, but I don't know if they fully want me. Mm. That like insecure kind of low self-esteem maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So I know you mentioned that you wondered what uh, Kyle's partner's attachment style is so that kind of leads me to like is there an ideal compatibility between people that have different attachment styles I feel like we're getting into horoscope range here but I'm curious to see it's not it's funny um because 
I had this conversation um, with um, my partner the other day for being a little candid here. I was like, or it was a, it was a while ago. We were, I say the other day, it was, it was actually a very long time ago. We were talking about attachment styles because he is not a therapist and he is like, I don't understand how you guys still talk about this stuff, even when you're not, you know, working. Um, <laughs> and so we were talking about, um, we were with some friends and talking about attachment styles and kind of breaking down what we believe, you know, each of ours are. Um, and it really, so if you're with somebody who's secure, right it's going and maybe, so let's say Kyle's in a relationship with somebody who, who is secure. The secure person is probably going to challenge in a healthy way, the other, the, you know, Kyle, the, the ambivalent, like, you know, re maybe reassuring them or, um, you know, asking questions or like, help me understand what's going on with like the thoughts that you're having about this relationship or where do you see this relationship? What do you, what are you, what are we ultimately looking for or working towards? Um, and then, you know, if you have two disorganized people or if you have an, you know, an anxious, ambivalent and somebody who is, we already talked about secure, but I don't know if it's, you know, one is compatible to the other. I think everyone would like to be secure and kind of understanding like why we do the things that we do just as a, out of, you know, natural curiosity. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's one that's, you know, super, super compatible for the next. It's just kind of identifying those qualities about you that you know. So when you're going into a relationship, what is it that you are needing from that partner specifically? if that makes sense. And also that person is not your end all be all. So I encourage, you know, therapy across the board so you can help identify some of those things and what you're needing for yourself. Right. So get to know yourself before you hop into something or, or even as you're in or a relationship. Even, yeah. Even as you're in a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to be this fully healed or this fully like packaged person to start dating. Um, Cause we should constantly be working on ourselves um, it just gives you more insight as to, you know, what you need when you're dating. Right. right. Oh, I love that. Yes. I like that. Um, let's talk about, um, the potential for somebody to change attachment styles, because I know you said, ideally it would be great if we could all like the end goal is to be secure, like have this secure mm -hmm. attachment style where you're confident you, your self-esteem is high. You have a good understanding of yourself and where you are and like what your needs are and also mm -hmm. what happened maybe in your past. But is there, if somebody, let's say has avoidant um, attachment style or even disorganized attachment style, mm -hmm. can they eventually get to being secure? And if so, how? I think it would be, I believe it would be a spectrum. Um, and that again goes from, or goes into like kind of doing that work. Um, and I hate to say that the answer is therapy, um, but. But hint, hint, the answer is therapy. Yeah, I mean, you, you get this objective view of, you know, what is going on. You get to unpack um, with someone that like doesn't know who you are and gets to listen and sit with your story and kind of help you identify 
you know, what it is that you're needing or what is going on. Because um, especially when it comes to dating, um, it is a, it is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. It is a very interesting dynamic because you hear, you know, there's so many different scenarios like on and off again, um, maybe cheating, but there's what it was the reason behind the cheating. Um, maybe like we said, talk, feeling anxious in the relationship. Can I trust this person? And maybe the person hasn't displayed any non-trustworthy um characteristics but just the sphere of the what if uh, and like has this happened in my past what patterns have am I you maybe subconsciously repeating yeah that that makes sense so basically if you are feeling like maybe based on Amber's description and all the great bits of information that she's given us today that you're maybe sitting in a house of attachment styles that is not secure and you want to ultimately get to being you know having that secure attachment style don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to go to therapy I think sometimes people forget Mm -hmm. that well not forget I think one of the just based on conversations that I've had one of the biggest things that keeps people away from therapy aside from money is like the fear of being judged but I think having uh understanding that when you go into therapy you are literally like I kind of picture therapy as you're going into this room and like all of your conversation that you have with this person is locked in this room like this is not going to leave this room and but at the same time everything that you know your family your friends your coworkers, the world is also locked out outside of the room so you have a true neutral objective opinion so you go in there's not preconceived notions but there's also not this like well this is my friend and I don't really want to tell her like it is or Mm -hmm. this is you know my son so I don't want to tell him what I really think because I'm automatically biased as a parent or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. I think people Mm -hmm. just keeping it in the forefront of your mind that it is truly a safe space but it is also a space where maybe you're probably going to get held accountable in a way that you may not be yeah getting outside in a way that's very like loving and nurturing and understanding like challenging maybe and maybe uncomfortable but it is a again non-judgmental space to really unpack okay I keep choosing this type of person help me understand that or why is it that I that I keep choosing this first person or this type of person um or just you know what is it that I am am looking for and you can do this with friends just make sure you know you feel like you can trust this person um and you have a good you know solid rapport with them and they're gonna you know maybe in a loving as a loving way as possible um help you kind of process yeah definitely well this is the perfect time to go into our newest segment amber we didn't do this when you were here last time but we are doing it today so we are going into our mind game segment this is a little segment that we've recently added in what i'm dubbing as season two of black girls have anxiety too called mind games basically what i'm going to do is read you a description of a uh, mental health disorder And then 
not you, Amber, but everybody listening gets to kind of guess what is she talking about? So I'll go through um, and basically talk about, you know, I'm going to read through the description. You guys think about it. I'll give you a little time. I don't have any countdown music. Maybe I'll get that for next time. But um, I already know Amber's going to know it. So Amber, don't tell him. Okay. My lips are sealed. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to go through and read it. Everybody listening, uh, go ahead. And uh, there should be actually a poll popping up if you're listening on Spotify. So drop your guesses in that poll before I mention, before I tell tell you what the answer is. Um, And if you get it right, I'll pin it. So everybody else can see that you got it right and you're super smart. So, all right. So according to the CDC, this disorder is one of the most common neurodevelopmental disorders of childhood. It is usually first diagnosed in childhood and often lasts into adulthood. Children with this disorder may have trouble paying attention, controlling impulsive behaviors. They may act without thinking about what the result will be, or they may be overly active. Um, some of the symptoms of a child that has this disorder is they may daydream a lot. Maybe they forget and lose things a lot. Uh, they like to squirm or fidget. They talk a lot. Um, sometimes they may make careless mistakes or take uh, unnecessary risks. Uh, they may have a hard time resisting temptation or trouble taking turns. Um, they may also have a difficulty getting along with others. So, if you are listening, I guess, tell me what you think. Tell me what you think it is. Uh, I'll give you a couple minute, a couple seconds though to think about it. Um, I'll give you a hint. The acronym for this disorder is four letters. All right. So last chance to take a guess. Like I said, if you're on Spotify, go ahead and drop in um, your guests into the poll. Um, If you are listening on Bullhorn, side note, before I give you the answer, if you're listening on Bullhorn, if you have no clue what Bullhorn is, Bullhorn is is a great new podcast platform. Um, Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 is on the platform. We are live streaming episodes on Bullhorn. With those live stream episodes, you'll be able to interact directly with... uh, segments like this, like mind games, you can actually call in, you can actually just chat with other people that are listening. You can submit questions that we answer with the guests during the show. Um, It's really interactive. We have a lot of fun. Um, If you want to uh, get notified whenever we're doing live stream episodes, uh, go to bullhorn.fm. That's B as in boy, U-L-L-H-O-R-N.fm and search Black Girls Have Anxiety too. Give us a follow on there. And every time that we go live or every time we have a live streamed episode that's coming up, you will get notified and you can join us. So uh, the link for Bullhorn will also be in the description. So go ahead and click on that link. Give us a follow over there. Now back to the answer. So the answer for today's mind game is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder better known as ADHD. So if you got that right, congratulations, you're a genius, Um, or you Googled it, either way, (laughs) good job. Um, I will also throw in the description, uh, not the description, but the link that I got all of that information from in case you want to take a look and find out some more information about ADHD. Um, But yeah, that was our mind games uh, 
segment and yeah make sure you follow us on bullhorn now let's get back into the episode so amber i know we talked a little bit at the um well before we started recording just to give you guys a little bit of background amber and i are avid uh bingers so binging uh, (laughs) tv shows we both are really into tv shows um and particularly things on netflix I'm not doing plugs on Netflix because they're not paying me to do that. But um, <laughs> we, I, I love watching dating shows. And one thing that really piques my curiosity is mentally, like what are people going through on these dating shows? Like, of course it's a hyper-produced. There's a lot going on. There's shows like Love is Blind. There's Married at First Sight. There is one of the newest shows on Netflix, which is The Ultimatum. So I, if anybody's watching and you haven't watched these shows, if you like like trash reality TV, is it reality TV? It's just a dating show. If you but like dating shows, it is reality. With lots quote, quote, of reality TV, oh yes. <laughs> lots of edits and lots of cameras and lights. But um, if, you have, if you have seen these shows, um, then you'll know what, we, what we're talking about. But if you haven't, go check them out. Um, it's always interesting to see the dynamics that happen throughout episodes, but also throughout seasons, how people change, how you initially perceive somebody, and then also how people are edited. But there is a brand new show on Netflix called The Ultimatum. And the basis for The Ultimatum is basically they bring on couples and with these couples, one person in the couple really wants to get married. Like they are ready to make the big move. They're ready to like put a ring on it. They want to be in this, uh, they want to have kids. They want to be moved in together. They want to have like, you know, what society deems is like the healthy next step in your mid Mm twenties. Um, and they're with a partner who for whatever reason is pushing back. They don't want to get married. Um, they may not want to have kids. Um, they may not be ready to move, move in together. So I think mm-hmm. there's, uh, let's see, I want to say there's six couples on the show. They start with six. Mm-hmm. And throughout the show, you see uh, the, the, the premise, the ma- other main premise of the show is that these couples come in and then for four weeks, they actually swap. So if you guys remember like wife swap back in the day where they swap wives, classic. I loved wife swap. I feel like that was true reality <laughs> TV. Like kids were involved. Mother-in-laws were involved. Everybody yes. was like giving their opinion and the camera people were just chasing people around. That was great. Don't forget Curtis and the chicken nuggets. Curtis and the chicken nuggets. If you have not seen that clip. Oh, I will have to show you. Yeah. Send me that clip. King I Curtis. Remember- yeah, I have to see that. Do you, did you see that episode of um, Wife Swap with Cisco? It was like towards the end, right before it got canceled. Oh, and, man, I don't think I saw that episode. Yeah, it was a very interesting episode. He was just like <laughs> running around with garbage bags on him and he just like didn't want to do anything. It was interesting. Um, so anyways, back to the ultimatum. So people get switched. So they date, they get there, right? And they come in as a couple and then they say, hey guys, for this week, you guys are going to live in the same hotel and every day you're going to date somebody new. So you have all these opportunities to meet and mingle. The weird part is your partner is just across the, the pool on the other side of the cabana. Right across. Dating somebody dating. else. And this is somebody that you want to marry. Yeah. So it is, it is very interesting. So they spend about a week dating each other. 
And then they say, hey, at the end of this, I want to date you because I think you could either be marriage material or some people go into it and say, I think that you could teach me the most about what I Mm -hmm. need to be better for my partner. So everybody has kind of like a different angle as they go into this competition or reality show. Then the next four weeks, they are actually living with this person as if they are married. So they have moved in together. They're still working. They're still going out and living their lives, but they are functioning as like, you know, a typical married couple. couple. And then at the end of that four weeks, they actually go back to their original partner for another four weeks and they live with them. So some of these couples have never lived with anybody. They're still dating. Some of them, three, three couples have never lived with anybody. Three weeks. They get to do this. Three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Yes. So then they swap back, they go to their original partner. And now, you know, ideally in a perfect world, they take all these great lessons that they've learned and they apply it to their new partner. But people are over here falling in love and just getting, I I don't want to give too much away, but what I want to know is <laughs> with all this madness, what are your initial thoughts? Like, what was your thought before you dove in and started watching? Well, I had heard about it from like friends and peers and it was like, the show is so messy. And I was like, okay, how messy are we talking? So I just wanted to see like what it was about because, you know, as a relationship, you know, person who works with relationships as their full-time job, I just wanted to see what what was happening um it is a lot it is it is definitely a lot and I would probably say unrealistic in the fact that ultimatums never work right you're going I do like what they said on the show about it is going to produce an answer it just may not produce the answer that you want and I think that is the key in in all of this so if you have that in mind and then you go into it with the experience of okay this is what I'm needing or this is what I'm wanting or how does, you know, dating other people, what have you make me look inward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a very, very interesting concept. I don't think it's, it's not supposed to be healthy, but I would definitely say it's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so either. It is entertaining though. So very entertaining. <laughs> I want to, um, there, there's some, some couples on there with very interesting dynamics. Mm-hmm. One of them that I wanted to bring up were, were uh, April and where is he? I'm looking at the names right now. So give me a second. April, mm-hmm. April and Jake. So April and Jake, if you are on, if you have watched the show or you're going to watch it, April is like this woman that has, she's probably like, they said that she's 23 or something like that, 22 or 23. She is kind of a stay at home girlfriend and her boyfriend, Jake has been like in the army for a couple of years and he's come home like a year before And he's like, Hey, I just want to live my life. I've been in the army Mm -hmm. since I was like 18. I want to travel. I want to do all these things before we get married. Like, and have, I want, I want my life to be mine, you know, for, for a moment. Like I've been told what to do. 
every instance of every day for this amount of time and I just want to live yeah which is understandable yeah right fully yes and then we have April who was like no I'm in love with you we have to start having babies now and um she is very adamant about wanting to move forward in the process right now and being very frustrated that it is not where she wants to be as far as being married. And she's very upfront with him about it. She's very, um, I don't know how to describe, how would you describe April? Like very forward. Very forward, uh, very intense, knows what she wants. And that's not, a, those are great qualities of a person. Uh, how do we feel heard one and also be realistic within the space of the relationship, right? Exactly. How do we respect our partner, aka Jake, yeah. um, in this in this space? So, or do we? Just, oh, sorry. Go she ahead. Just gives him. I was like, but she just gives him an ultimatum. So just here gives we are. him an ultimatum. Yeah, make a decision. Basically, she wants to get married or be done with it. Um, and just to give you a little bit more background, so April is like uh, apparently has like a decent following online and um does things like doesn't post her boyfriend and you know has different reasons for not wanting to do that because of followers and all of that and so you know with each episode you learn a little bit more about what's going on but what how would you describe april's attachment style just i mean obviously we're not diagnosing her she we don't know her but this is just for fun based on what netflix has shown us that is a really good question because I have not been watching it from really that perspective. Okay. But I would I would have to say oddly I would say secure. Okay. Cuz she's not she's not, you know, worried about what he is going to do, what he's not going to do in the sense of like on the show. Um and she also was very clear about that. Um, like, I know that we're here and like things could happen and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say secure. Okay. And how about Jake? How do we describe Jake's attachment style? And Jake, just to recap, Jake is the military guy that like wants to take a bit of a break and he has an interesting dynamic with the person he ends up choosing and see some things in her that his girlfriend is lacking or is just different different it's just different that is a great question especially when you hear about his relationship with his mother yes which I thought was very interesting like um I don't know for me I would say he gives off ambivalent vibes just because he seems okay. to be, I don't know, maybe a little bit of secure too, because I think he also knows what he wants and he's also very uh, aware of what he wants. But I, I do think he's kind of in this limbo land of where to go next. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a, a tad difficult to do I, well I haven't been watching that perspective but that's a good I would agree with that I would say ambivalent 
and maybe and some characteristics of secure because he had a very str- like the way he described his relationship with his with his mother was very you know like you know pretty healthy felt like very secure and to this day feels like can talk um to her about you know major life decisions um but in the context of his relationship with april i would have to probably say ambivalent and i'm not I'm curious about what their conversations look like, just the two of them, because we haven't really seen a lot of that. A lot of the couples have conversations with just each other. It's more so been with other people. Yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. I I definitely agree, and I know that you're you haven't quite finished the season, so I think as you mm-hmm. go through more episodes, I think you're, you said you're on season or on episode six. Yes. Yeah, I think you're you'll as you continue to watch. Um, I'm going to have to hit you up and see what your thoughts are. Oh, please do. <laughs> please do. I love to discuss. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. I'm glad that, uh, I, I guess on a, on a scale of one to 10, from your perspective, you do this all the time, like on a scale of one to 10, how toxic is, is the ultimatum? Oh my gosh. Like a 15. <laughs> like... <laughs> The premise, the very premise of the show, it's just funny. It's like everyone, like producers, writers got in a room and was like, okay, how can we make this the most dramatic, intense, like fighting for, I don't even, marriage, love? What are we, we're fighting, fighting for an answer show and then stick all of these college aged kids or young adults into a into a room um or into a I don't know would you even call like a think yeah yeah, hotel think take situation yeah and see see what happens with an open bar too within yeah with an open bar and those silver cups and those silver cups (laughs) the cups um (laughs) another another one that I really like um is love is blind so I like love is blind because I feel like it's probably the least toxic and Mm -hmm. it probably has the most uh the most uh possible like it's it seems like you it would be successful in real life if they were to actually like you know instead of having speed dating they had like pod dating and you Mm -hmm. can go in and just talk to random people I think that without seeing I think it goes completely opposite of what to my knowledge the dating pool like the dating dynamic is nowadays where it's like like I've for anybody that is listening, I have been married for a long time <laughs> with my partner for a long time. So if I sound ignorant a little bit when it comes to the dating <laughs> dynamic, it's because I am. But um, as far as I feel like just based on my friends telling me, it's a lot of like, oh, I have to see the person first. And then I start making, uh, then I start to determine whether or not I want yes. to move And then I meet them one time face to face. And then I determine whether or not I want to move forward. And then it's just like a revolving door a little bit. Yeah. And I, you know, as I'm hearing you say this, you know, the, the show love is blind. How many times have we heard? Oh, it was love at first sight. Ooh, yes. Yes. And so with this concept of you're, you know, behind a wall or in this like room and you're able to talk to this person, just feel out personality, um, vibe, just have conversations without the physical, um in the in the presence 
Yeah, I think it creates a it creates an environment where actual love can sprout because you have all this time to dedicate and you don't really have to worry about what they look like. You can, you can just, Mm -hmm. but I also think it's the intention behind it. So if you're going on that show, your intention is to find somebody because maybe you've, you've been frustrated. Maybe you've been hurt by other people. Maybe the regular new, new way of dating on an app is just not working for you. And you are a person Mm -hmm. that needs that conversation and, more intimate connection by just like talking to each other. So I feel like just being able to do that and talk and learn about somebody and ask these questions without having to worry about like, what are you wearing? And what, even though that's a question, a lot of the guys ask, <laughs> like, what are you wearing? Oh my gosh. Like it's a little interesting, but um, there are definitely people on there that try to suss out what people look like and then make judgments but I think they're probably on the wrong show because the whole idea of it is to really um just open up (laughs) and so if you're Mm -hmm. on that show you should be kind of in a position where you're ready to open up and be vulnerable you know absolutely and then like you said the intentionality behind it and what kinds of questions are you asking what are the conversations that you're having to truly get to know who this person is yeah definitely so um one quick question before we wrap up for anybody that is out there in the dating pool um what is one piece of advice that you would have for somebody that's in the dating pool right now and maybe is a little bit frustrated a little bit you know like what, what's one piece of advice hang in there take yeah. your time um it's been a, a very long time since I have also been in the dating world. However, I do have conversations often about what it is like, um, especially here in Atlanta. I've heard, you know, stories that are just like, I cannot believe somebody asked me, you know, X, Y, Z. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I am pretty shocked that someone, you know, asked you that as well. Um, you, I encourage you to be intentional, um, like both sides, um, of how you go, how you approach the apps. Um, I know, I mean, I'm not a spokesperson for, for any of them, uh, but I hinge, I know is one of the ones that have been very intentional about the questions, um, that, that, that are on there. And it gives you maybe 10 people, suggested people a day. And instead of just swiping, 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 you read through, you have an opportunity to read through the bio or answer a question or answer a prompt that they give you. Um, so you're not on there just, you know, like mindlessly and just seeing a picture and then saying yes or no. And I believe a lot of the other ones are kind of, or not a lot, but I know Bumble is kind of heading in that direction as well with the prompts. Um, mm. But yeah, to, be, like, be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be yourself. Um, you know, be clear as to what you are looking for or what you are wanting out of a partner. Um, and if it's something that you're like, oh, I maybe just want to do like a short-term thing, or maybe I'm looking for a long-term, you're ready to settle down, be intentional and be clear about what it is that you want in a partner. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, this has been another amazing episode with the Amber 
thank you so much for coming back on um, and just giving us lots of knowledge. Learned a lot today because I did not know a lot about attach- attachment styles. Um, if you are listening and you are interested in you are maybe in the Georgia area, you're interested in reaching out to Amber about her services. Um, her information will be in the description. Uh, feel free to reach out to her. Um, Amber, do you want to tell them where they can follow you on social? Yeah, I am on Instagram at amberjohnson.therapy. And that's that's the main one that I use. All right. So make sure you guys give her a follow over on Instagram. Make sure that uh, if you are interested in reaching out, uh, whether it be for her services or if you have something else that you want to partner with her on, uh, her information will be below. Um, if you're not following Black Girls Have Anxiety to on Instagram, that is mainly where I live, which is on Instagram. One of these days, I will be more active on Twitter. I don't know when though, no promises, <laughs> but uh, I'm on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety too. Um like I mentioned earlier in the episode, we are on Bullhorn. Bullhorn is a really new, cool uh, podcasting site um, and app that basically uh, gives us a chance to live stream with you guys and get interactive. Um, we've done a, a couple episodes on Bullhorn, which have been really successful. We've actually had people call in. Um, you can be on video. You can be on your phone. Um, you can ask questions. There's polls. We have a lot of fun um, on Bullhorn. So if you aren't following Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 on Bullhorn, go ahead and give us a follow. Then you'll be notified every time um, a live stream or a live podcast is going to be scheduled. Um, you'll also be notified when it's about to go, when we're about to go live. Um, yeah, make sure you either download the Bullhorn app or go on bullhorn.fm uh, and go ahead and follow us there. A uh, big thank you to everybody that has that is listening, that keeps tuning in, uh, keeps sharing. I really appreciate it. Um, it's I'm looking at the amount of people that are listening uh, month by month, and it continues to grow, which is super exciting. Um, I am not a mental health professional. I am just a black girl who has anxiety, but also has a lot of passion about like learning about mental health and wanting to create a space where we can learn about mental health. So keep following, keep sharing, and thank you all for for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal. <laughs>